Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Bankery Christian Fellowship Church. It's lovely to have you with us today. And my name is Duncan. I serve as the pastor here, and if we haven't met, I really do mean this, after the service, come and uh, make a point of, of, of seeing me. I would love to get to know you, and uh, thank you for coming to join with us today. This is, I'm sure you've noticed, the first Sunday of the month, which means it's September already. Um, and being the first Sunday of the month, we don't have junior church or Bible class classes today. Instead, all of us, all ages, are going to stay together and worship the Lord together. Now, we understand that might mean there's a little bit more restlessness in the room and a little bit more noise, but older people are like that sometimes, kids, so you'll get used to it. So please don't be embarrassed by that. We're delighted to have everyone here. If you do need to make use of the atrium, um, it'll be a super day. We're going to turn to our Bible reading now, which um, Layla's going to come and read for us. Um, it's a very interesting part of the story of Jesus. Um, a man called John has appeared on the scene, and he's been telling people to come and get baptized because they need to repent. And, uh, well, then this happens. Thank you. Then Jesus came up from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Thank you very much. So Jesus comes to be baptized by John. Um, I wonder, can you imagine uh, if you went into school tomorrow, you bounce into the class because, you know, Monday mornings are exciting, hang up your coat, settle down into your seat, and you look around and the teacher is not at the front of the class, the teacher is not at her desk, she's sitting down in one of the small seats beside you, she's getting out her pencil case, she's opening up a jotter, what's, what's wrong with that? Is there something wrong with that picture? What, what's wrong with that? Teacher's meant to teach, not to learn. She's in the wrong place, isn't she? She needs to get up to the front and do her job. Or say you went at lunchtime and you're standing in the queue and it's very exciting because today is fish and chips day and you see behind you in the queue is the head teacher of the school and she picks up a plate just the same as you and comes and sits down at the table beside you and has her lunch. Was there anything wrong with that picture? What's wrong with that picture? That is a question. What's wrong with that picture? Or maybe that happens in school. I don't know. It didn't happen in my school. What's wrong with that picture? She's supposed to be in the staff room. Yeah. <laughs> She's in the wrong place. Say you come back after lunch uh, and say, um, hey, let's say you're at the academy. You've got English after lunch. And you go into the classroom, everybody settles down after about 15 minutes, and uh, there at the front of the class, there's no English teacher in sight, but the janitor. 
And he starts getting out his, uh, his book. He says, well, we're, we're reading uh, The Merchant of Venice today. What's, what's wrong with that picture? Or maybe that is what happens in the schools today. I don't know. Yes, what's wrong with that picture? The janitor's job is to clean uh, and other things, I'm sure, but he's not there to teach English. He's in the wrong place. And this is what, I say all of that because that is what we are maybe supposed to feel when we read this story about Jesus being baptized. The uh, passages in Matthew 3, if you were following, which Layla read for us. Now, there's two men in the story. There's John the Baptist and Jesus. And John is in the wilderness or in the desert, and he's calling people to come and to be baptized. And the reason they're to do that is to show that they have turned away from sin, and they are waiting, ready for God's kingdom to appear. Now, many people did this. Many people came and were baptized. And that word baptized means immersed. And so people came to be immersed in the river by John. The one who would bring God's kingdom is coming, says John. And earlier, before this passage that Layla read for us, John said, the one who's coming, I'm not even worthy to carry his sandals. That's how much greater than me he is. Well, the one that John spoke about turned up. You see that in verse 13? It simply says, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. This baptism was for people to say, I'm turning away from my sinful ways, and I'm turning back to God. And this is why John says to Jesus, no way am I baptizing you. You should be baptizing me. As you read through the Gospels, you find that, that uh, Jesus wasn't like any other man. The Gospels tell us about the life of Jesus. And he wasn't like other men. Even the one who would sentence Jesus to death said, I find no fault in this man. He's done nothing wrong. And not just doing nothing wrong according to the law of the land, but actually he had done nothing wrong before God. He had never sinned. Later on, the Bible would say that Jesus was tempted like us in every way except without sin. And this is why Jesus seems to be in the wrong place. Why would someone who's never sinned, never disobeyed God, need to do a baptism that says, I'm turning away from sin? Do you see what I mean? He seems to be in the wrong place. Here's Jesus' answer. You find it in verse 15. Why are you in the wrong place? He says, let it be so now, for, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, he says, it, this is the right thing to do because it is doing the right thing. Hmm. Let me try and explain what's going on. Um, we all have certain rules in our house, don't we? Rules about maybe when we eat, what we eat, where we can be at certain times and all of that. But sometimes you come under different rules. Uh, gonna need some volunteers, but nobody who's too large. Okay, you're perfect. Come on up, come on up. You can be my first volunteer. So, when you're at home, you've got all sorts of rules about what you can eat, when you can eat, all of those things. I won't ask you what they are, but when you put on this jumper, which, oh, it says Sam B. There you go. When you put on this jumper, 
There we go. Show everybody. Which jump, what jumper is this? A school jumper. A school jumper. Now, whose rules are you under when you wear this jumper? The school. School's rules, okay? School's rules when you put on this jumper. Now, when you, uh, and I hope this never happens to you, son, but when you have to change schools, you then put on a different jumper, right? Right. Now, this is Hill of Bankery Primary School. Whose rules would you be under when you wore this jumper? Hill of Bankery. Hill of Bankery Primary School. Now, one more, and I pray this really never has to happen to you. This is an apron from the church kitchen. Now, let me assure you, my friends, when you put this on, there are more rules that come your way than you have ever known in all your life. I mean, believe it or not, I'm going to have to take this apron home and wash it just because I've showed everybody. But it's all for your good. Whose rules would you be under if you were in our kitchen wearing this apron? The church. The church's rules, you see. Now this, thank you for helping us. You can keep all of those things for just now. When Jesus became a human being, he put on not a school jumper, not an apron. He put on humanness. He became, really became a human being. And as such, he submitted himself to all the rules of what it means to be a human. As um, Jesus came, therefore, to live a perfect human life. And part of that was being obedient to all of God's laws, including the call of John the Baptist to come and be baptized. And he did that on behalf of his people. You see, it's not just the sinful things that we do that separate us from God. It's that we have a whole lot of good and right things that we've not done that separate us from God as well. But Jesus has come to deal with all of that. Everything that separates us from God, Jesus overcomes on our behalf. And it starts here, Matthew 3, as we're reading. He becomes one of us. He becomes one with us so that he might stand in our place. He lives the perfect life that we've not lived. And he lays down that perfect life to suffer and to die in the place of all who will trust him. He takes their sins as though they are his own. And he deals with them utterly. And on the third day, Jesus rises from the dead, overcoming death even on behalf of his people. What a savior Jesus is. He comes to be one of us so that he might stand in our place in every way. And we get a sense of that here in what we've been reading. He turns up in an unusual place but it's because he has become one with his people, and he lives, and he dies, and he rises again for them. Thank you. Please take a seat. Now, I need, I need help again from a volunteer, but the rule is this time you've got to be at least 10 to volunteer for this. It's a problem-solving task, so if you're 10 or over, you're very welcome to come and help us solve a problem. I've got all day. I've got all day. 
I mean, I don't want to have to pick on an adult. That would be, that would be. All right, if I tell you what the problem is, maybe that will persuade you. I'm going to give you two books, and you're going to tell me, just by looking at these books, which one is better. (laughs) All right, simple as that. Who wants to try? You don't need to be able to read. Just by looking at the books, tell me which one is better. My friend. Welcome, welcome. Okay, it's up to you. What kind of things would you look for to decide which one was better? Do you want to have a little look? See what you think. This one's better. better. Why is it better? I guess. (laughs) Is it because it's shorter? Yeah. Okay, good choice. Good choice. Um, This one's also not in a very good condition. You see that? A bit tatty. Um, Okay, let me me take it from here. Thank you for your help. So there are some... Um, Anyone got anything else they would look for in the book to decide which one was better? Yes. Hang on, let me just come closer to you. Which one is... Oh, right. Which one is? Onto the Lord. Onto the Lord. Oh, you would choose that one? What do you think? What kind of things would you look for? Um. Right, I'm going to give you a clue. On the back of this book, these are different people's names. Mm -hmm. And why do you think all their names are there? Because they were the ones who helped make it. They didn't help write it, but they keep telling us that we should read it, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, on books, what you have is something called endorsements. So, on the back of this book, which is a good book, by the way, um, it's a recent book, um, there are eight endorsements, eight people who say, oh, you really got to read this book. Um, This book here has no endorsements. This is St. Augustine's Confessions. This is Gavin Ortland's Finding the Right Hills to Die On. Um, (laughs) It is a good book. But let me assure you, in 50 years' time, no one will remember this book. This book was written 1,600 years ago. No endorsements, but I suppose no endorsements needed, maybe? If only we had a good way to work out which one to go with, right? All these people seem to like it. Nobody tells me to like this one. The pages are a bit tatty. Well, actually, when it comes to Jesus, we might wonder about the same thing. Because we do this all the time, don't we? Whether it's about books or whether it's about movies, or restaurants, or cafes, or whatever, we listen to endorsements. And depending on who endorses it, we'll either go there, or we'll not be too bothered. So, if someone who we really respect, who really has uh, uh, the same taste as me in books, and they say, you really got to read this, then I almost certainly will do it. Now, when it comes to Jesus, well, here at His baptism, there is the most certain endorsement of all. You don't need to be confused about it. When Jesus came up out of the water, does anyone remember what happened? There were three things that happened. Yes? Um, 
There was a voice from heaven saying, this is his son. Yes. And remember, there was something else came out of heaven. Remember what it was? Yes. A dove. The spirit came down like a dove and landed on Jesus. And the third thing is the first thing that happened. The heavens were opened. And in the Bible, when we read of the heavens opening, it almost always means that God is a way to say something or a way to give something. And that's exactly what happens. The Spirit comes down and settles on Jesus, like a dove coming down. And it's this confirmation for everyone to see that Jesus is God's anointed one. He's been set apart, and the Spirit is upon him. And then we have the greatest endorsement of all, the voice from heaven speaks. And it is God the Father who speaks, and we know it's God the Father because of what he says. He says, this is my beloved Son, verse 17, with whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved Son. This is a special moment in the Bible because here we have three distinct persons are present. There is Jesus, the Son, there is God, the Father, and there is the Holy Spirit. All three of them are present in the same place doing distinct things, and it's a glimpse of what kind of being God is. There is one God, but He exists as a three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And there is this relationship of love between them. The Father says, this is my beloved Son. Now, here, this is my beloved son too, by the way, so hence my, hence my limitless patience. Now, think about this. God says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Now, Jesus has been alive, he's about 30 years old at this point, and for almost all of those 30 years, we've not been told what happened. It's not been recorded for us, unseen by us, but seen by God. Those 30 years lived in obscurity as far as we're concerned, God has seen, and God is well pleased with His Son. And there is something about the Christ-shaped life here. For the vast majority of us, we will not live prominent lives that are noticed by many. That can be hard for us to hear. But here's this remarkable thing, that if you belong to Jesus Christ, you are seen by the God of heaven. He sees everything that is done, whether it's, whether it's on, a, on a grand stage or whether it is in obscurity. And if you belong to Jesus, this same verdict is said of you with you I'm well pleased because you belong to my son. What a wonderful thing that is for the Christian to be able to say. God's own words are the greatest endorsement, and here they are to convince anyone who will hear that they need to look to Jesus. This isn't the first time that we've read that, that the Bible tells us God saying, this is my son. You would find it way back in Psalm 2, it's a song written by King David that points to the coming of the true King of Israel, the one who will sit on the throne of God's kingdom forever. So it goes, it goes like this, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed. 
And this is what God says in response. He says, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. And here, those words ring out again in Matthew 3. This is my beloved son. God is saying his promised king has come. God's son, the rightful ruler over all, has come into the world. Now, this isn't the sort of endorsement that says, I really like this book. It would be good for you to read it. This is an endorsement that says, the most glorious, all-powerful, all-knowing, sovereign God of the universe has come to earth as one of us. What are you going to do about that? Because if you've heard these words from heaven, and you come here to to the end of Matthew 3, and you hear this endorsement from God the Father Himself, here is what you don't do with that. That's not what you do, right? When you hear that endorsement, you absolutely must read on. We need to know this Jesus. If my Creator has come, then He's come for a reason. And I surely need to know what that is above anything else. And so we read on, and we follow Jesus through His ministry, His healings, through His rejection, through His crucifixion, His death on the cross. And that's not quite how we expect things to turn out for God's beloved Son. But the foundation for understanding all of that is that Jesus is the Son with whom God is pleased. God is pleased even with His crucified Son. This is how we understand just how lost we are on our own. The only way for anyone to be right with God is through the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And for us to trust that what He has done is enough even for me to be right with God. You're never too young to do that. I want to say that. You're never too young to trust in Jesus, to confess to Him that you are a sinner, and to trust that He has lived, died, and been raised again for you, and to seek His help to turn from sin and to follow Jesus. And you're not too old to do that either. Let me urge you, whoever you are here today, do that where you sit. Jesus will never turn you away. He'll save you. He'll give you His Spirit. He'll give you life. Let me take a moment to pray, and then we're going to sing one final song. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the Lord Jesus. Thank You that we've been thinking about how He became one with us, one with humanity by becoming a human being, And we thank you too that he became one with his people, bearing their sin, living a life of righteousness on their behalf, and conquering death for them. We thank you that we owe everything to Jesus Christ. Help us to follow him. We pray for help. We know that you know everything. You know our every need. You know the needs of each one in this room. And so we ask you to help those who are sad today 
sad because they've lost someone dear to them, sad because of loneliness or because of hardship. Oh, Father, grant your comfort and your presence by your Spirit. Help those who are anxious, perhaps anxious about Monday morning. Give them peace. Give them reassurance that you go with them. And help us as a church to be a light for the gospel, to tell Bankery and Royal Deeside about Jesus so that many might come to know him and the life that he brings. We thank you for reminding us today that Jesus Christ is the promised King who has come. And we look forward to the day when Jesus comes again and establishes his kingdom fully. And we will be with him and like him and know full joy. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.